Discipleship is really the transfer of heart, right? It is it is the way that the legacy of the kingdom is passed down from one person to another, to another, to legacy another. Legacy of the kingdom, oh. great phrase. The real, and the real proof of that is to look at your life a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. Are you less anxious? Are you more generous? Like, where is the real transformation in your life? Hey there, friend. This is Jesus Smart, the podcast. You're listening to episode 72. This is Brian Del Turco, and we have a special guest on the episode today, Isaac and Sylvia Rowe. They're pastors. He's involved in real estate development. She has her own freelance business in translation work. And you are going to hear a dialogue today dealing with something very important. When we come to Christ, it's not just to pray a prayer of salvation and go to heaven someday. We're actually coming to Christ to learn from Him, to be discipled by Him. And we're going to talk about what I believe is a higher order level of discipleship. Like, do you want to play amateur ball with Jesus or do you want to go professional? And I think that Isaac and Sylvia have something very important to share. It's something they live, something they practice. It's real with them. They're involved in a small Christian community which pursues these edges of developing in Christ. I think you're going to enjoy the dialogue and benefit from it. Here's Isaac and Sylvia Rowe. I've been excited to talk with this couple for some time. They're a great kingdom couple. Some interesting takes on developing in Jesus, becoming an apprentice of Jesus, and how that works out practically. But first, tell us just a bit about yourself, Isaac. What do you guys do? What's the work that you do? Tell us about the church. You pastor as well? So we we uh, planted a church about five five and a half years ago, and we currently meet in Independence, Ohio. And uh, it's a small group of us, and we're very, um, what I would call kingdom-focused, kingdom principles, discipleship, family relationship um, is really our um, our, our core values. And for us, we've been working on that um, diligently, giving all of our heart to it, caring for people, looking after people for about five, six years. On a work side, I'm a, I'm a real estate investor. Okay. So I buy and rehab houses and, you know, we do quite a bit on that side. And it's been really cool uh, to see how kingdom principles function and work in every area of your life and how when you apply uh, kingdom life into your life, things go well, things work, what's, you get blessed. Uh, what's a quick example in the real estate domain of a, of a kingdom principle that's um, moving the needle for you? You know, it's it's always the simple things that uh, that that make the difference. And I think one of the one of the biggest things is just caring for people. Um, and I know that sounds uh, uh, weird, but to actually sit and listen to people, talk to people. Uh, if they know that you really care about them, then they hear you in a different way. They trust you. Their willingness to work with you um, is exponentially increased. You're not trying to convince people or coerce people or try to be like a sales guru. Yeah. You just sit down with people, have honest conversations, uh, share, converse with people. And that's something that flows from the heart, right? Which, which, which all kingdom life, in my opinion, flows from the heart. It comes from the inside out. So you can't pretend that you care about somebody because they're going to figure it out. So you have to have the heart that Jesus yeah, had it and really love people. Sniff test, does it? Right. They can, they can right. tell. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. just like authentic love, authentic. I want you yes. to win. How can we win together? Yes. Right. Trust. Absolutely. That's excellent. And what about Sylvia? You have a very uh, smart, uh, smart wife here. <laughs> I am a translator and interpreter. 
I went to school for conference interpreting and translation studies in Leeds. And um, I have been running my own business for about nine years now. So um, I do written translation from English into Italian uh, of legal or uh, business okay. nature. Yeah. And then I also do uh, interpreting, which is voice translation or oral. You know, when you meet with somebody um, who is from a country and you have to facilitate communication with somebody else who's who doesn't speak English. Okay. Yeah. So how many languages do you speak? Well, currently, um, currently. My, primary, my primary focus is English and Italian. Obviously, I'm from Italy, but um, I studied Spanish and Greek as well. Okay. So, <laughs> so four. Isaac, does she ever speak in other languages that you don't know what's happening? Well, thankfully, I learned Italian pretty quickly because I would I would hear my name mentioned between her and her mom and her sisters, and I, would, right. I wouldn't know what was going on. Yeah. So I had to learn Italian pretty quick. So Yo, I do speak some, some Italian. Security there. But if she wanted to say something about me, she could speak Greek, and I would have no idea what's going on oh, with that. So Pray for a translation, maybe, yeah. or something. I don't yeah. know. Wow. That is excellent. And what is the entrepreneurial group that you're working with, um, Isaac? I know you're developing a business group, right? An entrepreneurial cluster. How's that? How's that working out? Good. So we, I, I have had the privilege and really honor to meet some great people in the business. And I think it, you know it's the same in any business. I think when you get into it, and you know I've been in, been working in real estate about six years now, and I think it's the same in anything. When you get into something, you meet a lot of people. You know, people who have a similar heart to you, who who carry some 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 values that you carry, you tend to connect with those people. And um, and I think what has happened is I've had I've I've met some people who really carry not just a heart for to to make money and be successful in business, but really a heart for to 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 be generous, a heart for missions work, a heart for Jesus. Really, that flows through their business and impacts everything that they do. And some of those people. Um, have been just phenomenal blessings in my life and work relationships. So we are working as well to bring together some of those people and create a little little mastermind meetups where where you know a very small group of us can get together and just share and talk about business from a kingdom perspective, not yeah. just how to make more money, but actually how do we walk with integrity, character? How do we reflect the values of Jesus uh, in our businesses yeah. as well? And what what are we dealing with? What are the challenges we're dealing with with the the issues? And how do we help each other? Yeah. So. Yeah. Have you found it to be like an accelerator for for those involved in terms of quickening your pace and you know developing? I, uh, I think that the, those events are always equivalent to the honesty and the transparency that people bring to the table. So I so I think for some people, yes. Maybe for others, you know, not not as much. Because I think if you're not really honest about what's going on in your business and your life, then those those interactions are less valuable, right? But so the the more honest you are, the more value you get from sure. from those kind Absolutely. of interactions. So it's like that in a lot of things, isn't yeah. it? What you bring to the table. Tell us about your understanding of what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus, this this word discipleship. Yeah. How do you define discipleship? Does Jesus want to develop us yes. comprehensively? Yes. What, what's your take on this? Yeah, you know, I have, so just just a little bit of background. So I, a lot of these things uh, that I currently walk in and believe came came from from a man named Paul Hubbard, who is who is my spiritual father currently. So I would I would call him a lot more than a mentor, um, a lot more than a friend. There is a deep um, relationship there, and it's really a father son relationship. So I think it was back in 2005 I moved to England and I worked with Paul and his church in England. Yes. And spent a lot of time um, not just as a ment uh, uh, you know being mentored by him, but but really um, having 
him share his life with me, teaching, learning, watching, growing, and dealing, you know, being disciplined, being corrected, words we don't like, things we don't want to deal with. Okay. Um, and really walking uh, through a journey uh, with Paul that really brought me to where I am now. So I, so the reason that discipleship for me is so important is that it's something that I, that is real in my life. So it's not something that I just talk about, but I've actually walked this journey and seen this journey, and I've been so blessed to, to be able to walk with Paul. And I still still continue to walk with Paul now, and we would have never started the church without without Paul Paul's backing and support. So you know that 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 to me, discipleship is really a sharing of heart and a sharing of life. So once again, it's a little bit like I can get as much out of discipleship as I choose to get by bringing my life and laying it out openly and honestly, transparent accountability, faithfulness, all, all of those things hmm. come come into play when it comes to Can you to, share uh, like a specific example of something that would be very transparent, very penetrating that he might sure. talk with you about or, 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 you know, an edge that he would want yeah. to help you develop in? Sure. So when, whenever we get time with Paul and he lives in England, but whenever we get time with him, which is once or twice a year, we always sit down and uh, we will get time separately, Sylvia and I, and then time together. And what that looks like is me bringing my life to the table and sharing about my marriage, sharing about uh, challenges with raising my kids, sh- sharing okay. about problems with business, sharing about uh, um, family. Uh, every single aspect of my life I, I bring and I share it all. Mm. And then in that transparency, there is an opportunity for Paul to speak into my life in a very real way because he knows what's actually going on. So his ability to, to speak effectively into my life is directly correlated to my willingness to allow him to see the reality of what's actually happening in my life. So in order to do that, I have to, I have to know what's happening. I have to be able to identify what's going on inside of me. Yeah. I have to be aware of it. Self-awareness yourself. Self-awareness and but then be, a, but be then willing a humility to, to share to, it. To, to, yeah. to bring it before a yeah. trusted Yes. A uh, person like, like yeah. Paul Hubbard for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so like he'll share something with you, maybe advise you, counsel yeah. you in a certain area. And then as you activate that or apply that. Right. So obviously, what are the outcomes you know, you? it doesn't really matter if he tells me something that I don't do. Right. So I have to take, take, the, take the words and the things that are shared and I have to act on them. It's the same with anything. Right. I mean, when you're sitting in a teaching, when you're at a church, it doesn't matter. You know, God can speak to you and he, he can draw out one thing that has the power to transform your whole entire life. Right. right? The, the difference between people whose lives are transformed and who, whose lives aren't transformed is simply the ability to hear and take action. Yeah. So it's not that complicated. It is, it is a simple, you know, take a profound truth and apply a simple action and move in a certain direction, right? So, so it sounds easy, but it's really not because we're all stuck in our ways. We all have default habits. We're, we're all very, um, very unintentional um, about what we're doing and where we're going. We're, you know, mm. Most people I find are just kind of floating through life and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they don't really understand what motivates them. They don't really understand what's going on in their heart. They don't really understand what, why they're doing the things that they're mm. doing. Yeah. And I think that's all part of the journey as well. It's part of you know, that, that journey of discipleship helps you discover and learn uh, and be able to articulate what's actually happening in your heart, in your life um, at, at any given time. And I don't think a lot of people can actually do that. Yeah. So. How about you, Sylvia? What is what has your experience been with these? Um, I guess I would call this sort of a higher order form of discipleship compared to what you normally see. It's probably normative as far as Christ is concerned, but not but not average in the church that we see today. Yeah, I um, 
I have a similar kind of relationship with Paul. I met him when I was maybe 17 or 18. My mom is, pastors a church in Palermo, Italy. Yes. And uh, Paul is her spiritual father as well as an overseer of uh, the church networks that she's involved with. Okay. So I've known him for a long time. And... Um, I started my discipleship journey with uh, somebody else in my mom's church because I was locally planted there. But then okay. uh, more recently when we got married and, um, and moved to the U.S., um, I would say that also Paul's influence has been a great blessing for us. And this discipleship journey where, where uh, like Isaac was saying, you just um, um, open up your life and you just see God's wisdom flow. Uh, and it doesn't really even matter if... Paul's advice is right or wrong because you're just acting on the obedience. So if God sees your obedience and your willingness to um, change your way and look for uh, a better solution or okay. a better way yeah. of doing things, He will He will intervene and He will change the situation and you know bring a lot of goodness from uh, your step of faith in a sense. Okay, a willingness to learn and to change and. Um I think Jesus is probably the ultimate change agent. Could we say that? <laughs> and we, and sometimes we focus on the fact that, oh, when we go to heaven, we'll be instantly transformed and we'll be in the image of Jesus, which is true. But in the meantime, we're living on the earth and we have 10, 20, 50, 60, 70 years. And why not yeah. start that journey now and Absolutely. reap all the fruit from it instead of just waiting yeah. until we get there? I, I think that Jesus is looking for that. Absolutely. I think Dallas Willard says that our lifetime now is a seed form of what we always will be in the new heavens and new earth and even similar things that we'll be doing in the enterprise of Jesus if we could put it that way forever we have this kind of this really anemic understanding of heaven harps and sitting around and passivity and you know yeah. I think John Eldridge talks about a hybrid of like an eternal church service along with a nursing home put together I mean how attractive <laughs> is that I mean not it's not, not attractive. and uh, it has nothing to do with Jesus unending kingdom yeah. 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 I think transformation continues from the moment uh, you're born uh, all the way through eternity. I don't think the transformation ever ends, ever, ever stops. I think when we get to heaven, I think we'll probably really understand how much we need to learn. And I, I don't think heaven's just a place where you sit around and, 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 and dance and sing songs. I think it is an active place, um, a place where the life, uh, the light, uh, the clarity that uh, that the life of Jesus is and represents will be fully imprinted on us. Yeah, and I think yeah. I, you know I think we will always be learning. I think that's just a part of life. Like growing, learning is just is just a part of living, right? I mean, I, if if you're not living, um, if if you're not growing, and, and you're like a dormant pool of water, you become a swamp. But rivers that flow and move <laughs> create life. Things grow around them. Uh, good things happen when there's movement. Right, so I just can't picture a a place that is dormant in heaven. I think there is active movement, life, continuation of growth, and I think it'll just be accelerated if anything. We'll return in just a moment to the discussion to complete the second half of today's episode. I just wanted to pull away for a moment. You know, this whole topic of being fathered in the gospel of Jesus Christ, maybe that's new to you. But a careful reading of the New Testament, it's actually part of New Testament practice and New Testament understanding. John wrote in 1 John that there are children, there are sons, and there are fathers in the faith. 
different identifiers for different levels of development and expression in the body of Christ. It actually is a reality. The Apostle Paul wrote in one of his letters that you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers in the faith. So maybe you have been discipled. Maybe you've gone through a program. Maybe you've gone through a manual, a class. Maybe you've been discipled by somebody personally or in a small group. These are all wonderful And they take us to certain levels in Christ. Maybe the Holy Spirit's now drawing you to a new level, to a higher level, to a further development in Christ. I encourage you to go to JesusSmart.com to learn more about the podcast. And I have a free gift for you. It's a Jesus Smart Guide, a 16-page downloadable PDF on the importance of heart, belief, and faith language. Let me tell you, friend, faith is more than words, a lot more than words, but it's nothing without heart belief and faith language. I have a free gift for you. Go to jesusmart.com forward slash faith language, jesusmart.com forward slash faith language. Let's get right back to the conversation with Isaac and Sylvia. Personally, I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me recently about, you know, at your best state right now, Brian, you are seeing through a dark glass dimly, as, as Paul says. And, and um, I mean, there's so much available in terms of revelation and, and insight, words of knowledge, spiritual gifts and operation. But even at our at our peak state, we are, as it were, looking through a dark glass dimly. It says, yeah. Paul says there that then we will be, we, we will know fully yes. as we are yeah. fully known by the Lord now. But it's really an aspect of faith now, isn't it? Yeah. With pressing in and just yeah. moving forward in faith. It is. And I think as well, it, the, the principle of light versus darkness applies here because when you're talking about discipleship, you're talking about relationship, you know, we all have a choice to make about bringing our lives into the light. And what we know about light versus darkness is that wherever there's light, Jesus is because he is the light, mm. right? And his light, it's not just turning a light switch on. It is a transformative light that actually has the power to transform our hearts, minds, souls, will, emotions, but if we don't bring all of our inner being, our heart, mind, will, soul, emotions into the light, mm. then Jesus cannot change it. But so, so, so the simple act of exposing and, and bringing it in, in, into the light, and that's part of why discipleship is so important, right? Because discipleship is an avenue in a way where, um, it, you know, it's like trafficking in the light, essentially. Whereas if you traffic in the darkness, then um, and try to hold things and keep things and allow shame and guilt and, okay. and, a, and a sense of and and, that, and that's an interesting dynamic because we all um, have this sense of you know I'm on my own with these issues I'm you know it's just me there's nobody else that thinks like there's yeah. no one else has these like struggles a silo. we're in a silo and stuck. that's just completely false we yeah. are all human uh, Jesus was human we he had struggles we have struggles we all have to be willing to apply the kingdom principles and bring our lives out into the open. And yeah. that is an incredibly powerful tool. And I don't think, I don't think people really understand that or, or do it appropriately because it's so comfortable bring it to be in the, the dark. It's so easy. It's comfortable. Yeah. It's, it's normal. And one thing that comes to mind is that sometimes we are willing to share little bits or parts of our lives with certain people and certain friends. So with you, I will share this side and this struggle because I know you'll understand or you'll have a similar experience, Mm -hmm. but with someone else, I will share uh, something else. Well, that sort of works and can help me somehow, but when we bring our entire life to um, the light, in a sense, and so we commit to one person, which we call the the spiritual father, and then... uh, 
that person just sees the whole picture. Because yes, we have several spheres in our life, but we're not, we don't lead compartmentalized lives, right? Everything flows together. So something that is affecting your marriage might also affect your friendships or your work relationships. Yes. Yeah. So if we don't share the whole, the whole, um, yeah, like a like story, a global yes. story of, of right. your life, a comprehensive, integrated approach, yeah. holistic. So yes, our friends can help us somehow, and and uh, you know certain people or experts. But this father figure just and and it also has that long long term um, aspect. It's some somebody that is not going to leave you, um, is committed to you no matter what you do. Whether with friends, we can say, oh, you gave me a bad advice, I'm going to leave you. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to pursue this relationship. Well, but last time I talked with you about that. In yeah. discipleship, we're committed to the long run, in a sense. Uh, it's a so we need both, don't we? We, yes. we need like community, kingdom community relationships, Absolutely. like kingdom clusterings, networks of relationships. But, but now you're using this term like spiritual father or a father figure. And I, I feel like there's probably parts of the body of Christ that are... Sure. Uh, oh, aware of that term and comfortable with it. There's probably other parts that are like, what do they mean, spiritual father? Right. right. What? What do you mean? So, to me, a um, you know the the uh, scripture that I always think about is that there are many teachers and very few fathers, right? And and I think for me, it, it's and there's a reason for that, and the reason is it's a lot easier to teach somebody something and walk away than it is to teach somebody something and then walk with them while they implement what you're teaching them and uh, be committed to their life. So the primary difference, um, you know, you, you can call it whatever you want. The, the name isn't as important, but what is important is that um, the person that you're walking with, the person that's, that is, they're not just teaching you and, and leaving, right? And that's what we see a lot of, um, a lot of in the Western world. We, we have a lot of ministers who come in, um, have a powerful word, and then they leave. And you have a lot of pastors and teachers uh, and, and gift ministries who come in, have a word, but they're not willing to do the work of discipleship because discipleship is hard work. It is, it is a commitment. It, it is a relationship, but it's all for the purpose of being transformed into the image of Jesus. So it, it's, yeah. it, it always flows back to Jesus. But the primary difference is that um, it's not just a teaching. It's a life given and shared that is a teaching. And in the commitment of the life and of that, of, of that walking together, there is a safety and a, uh, an environment where real change can happen. So for example, when I raise my kids, uh, as, as we're doing now, you know, if I raise them going, if you don't do what I think you should do, you're out and they're five years old. Well, they're not ready, right? They're not in a position. So my commitment to them is the only reason that they can actually grow into adults. Well, spiritually, it's the same thing. If we don't have real commitment to one another in the church, and even in friendship, it's the only way to have real deep, meaningful friendship is to have real deep commitment to each other that surpasses frustrations, angers, hurts. Um, because if you're friends with somebody long enough, you're going to fall out. You're going to have issues. You're going to disagree. Yeah, for sure. But in the end, if, if, if there isn't that foundation of I'm committed to you, I'm a faithful person, I, I'm trustworthy. If you don't have those principles at the core of who you are, then you cannot actually have kingdom relationships. And I think at the core of all this is just what does a kingdom relationship look like? And I think in, in, a, in a healthy kingdom environment, fathering and mothering and, and brothers and sisters and deep friendships are automatic and normal. 
And, and I think that we are that a lot of churches have settled for less than that just because it's it's a lot easier and it's very it's it is messy to get into people's lives and help them deal and help them actually deal with what's going on. You know, we've taken a programmatic approach a lot in the Western church. Yep. And we're good on things like mentoring and even coaching. Yep. And I think we could say that Jesus is sort of the um, ultimate life coach. I sure. hope that's okay to say that. Sure. He's the ultimate developer of a human being, regeneration, bringing them yes. into completeness, sanctification. Like, I, I, I like the sequence of... Um, uh, discovery, development, deployment, you know, yep. Jesus yep. Dis- helps us to discover who we are. He calls that out in us and then helps us to develop in that and then deploys us into all of life, you know, not just work, but all the domains of life, including family life, marriage, you know, friendships. But um, yeah, and, and yeah. And when you look at the life of Jesus, I think that you know, beyond the cross, beyond the sacrifice, beyond everything he gave to us, mm-hmm. you look at the history of the Bible, the history of, of, of you know, so, so God gave us all these chances, all these opportunities, tried all these different things. But in the end, in spite of humanity's rebellious heart and lack of understanding of who he was and all the, all the times that he tried to rescue and people, people turned him away, mm-hmm. he would never give up. He died his life for us. You know, it's not just that he died; it's that it's, he said, "Whatever it takes, I am with you." Yeah. And that that phrase of "I am with you" is an incredibly powerful phrase. It's 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 um, it is all throughout the Bible, and it's something that in our relationships together, you know, it, it's it's not enough to go, "Okay, thanks, thanks, Dad, you're with me, good, I got it." No, we have to reflect that to other people. So everything that he's done, everything he's taught us, is meant to be a principle that we implement and give to other people as well. Absolutely. But we have to be willing to make sacrifices as well because Jesus went, look, it got to the point where people just weren't, weren't hearing what I was trying to say. So I had, I had to do this and I would, and, 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 and he, he would do it again and again if he had to, thankfully the ultimate sacrifice has been made and, and and we don't have to go back to that point, but his, his commitment to us is unwavering. And within that is a safety, a, a healthy environment, an environment where people people should should be able to walk into church and have ha, have an environment of love, affection, feel people's commitment, uh, feel reached out to, cared about, not just and and then from that place have practical action that backs up that feeling, right? Because if you don't have the practical action, you you can have eight greeters as people walk into the or you, you you can seat somebody, you can invite them to a small group, but in the end they need to be loved. And they need to truly be cared about. And that's different than a program or an action. It is a deep, meaningful commitment that people sense that comes from your heart. Eisegesis is like reading into something. You, you, you bring presuppositions and a, and, a, and a preconcept to something. You, you, but, but exegesis, like, like if we were to approach the scriptures eisegetically, we would come with our mind made up and we wouldn't allow the text to really speak to us. We'd read into it what we already have made up our mind. But if we approach it exegetically, we humble ourselves before the word, allow the spirit to speak to us through the word. But do we approach Jesus in that way? Like we read into him what we, because he revealed the father to us, didn't he? That was his big revelation to us, the father, father, fatherhood of God. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the challenges I think that we have is that, you know, we, we take the scripture, we take the sacrifice, the life of Jesus, everything he gave us, and we imprint our own beliefs onto Jesus. Right. And by doing that, we alter 
who he is. So instead of looking at him and going, I've got to allow his life to be imprinted upon me and all of my beliefs, all of my core, everything that I am, has, I've got to allow Jesus to imprint that on me. We go, actually, I believe these things, therefore Jesus does too. Well, that's not true, <laughs> right? Um, and most of the time we're wrong about those things. And that's why change is so hard. And I always say this too, that you know, real revelation is not you agreeing with truth. Real revelation is you realizing you were wrong about something that you didn't know, right? Because if it's really revelation to you, then you didn't previously know it and it wasn't active in your life or else it wasn't revelation. It was already functioning and active in your life. The whole, the whole meaning behind revelation is it's something new that's like a God moment yeah. that has the power to transform you. It's, it's like you. an uncovering right. of something that's always been there, right. but you were unaware of it. Right. So yeah. most of the time, real revelation should cause you inside to feel like I was wrong about this. I messed this up. I missed it. Because, you know, r real moments of truth are not sitting in a sermon and going, that's a great word. I love that word. No, real moment of truth is going, <laughs> my God, how for all these years have I not understood who Jesus was? I will never go back to those lies. I'm going to live in this, in this understanding that I've now gained. And it requires humility. It requires understanding. But the only way that that actually works is when we allow the life of Jesus to be imprinted upon our lives and wherever we do not align with his life, we need revelation to show us where we do, where our hearts are are not aligned with his heart. Mm. So so that's the power of revelation in 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 this melding in a sense of Jesus's life in into our yeah. own lives. Revelation is the tool that allows us that 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 the Holy Spirit uses to allow us to see where we're missing it. Right? Ch church is not about like the Amen Club. To, to feel good about all the things you already know. It, it, it is meant to be a place of transformation, revelation, people's lives being transformed. And that's where discipleship takes it to a deeper level beyond just a teaching, beyond just going to a meeting, beyond going to a, to a men's group or a ladies group or whatever, um, but actually going, if, if I really believe in this, then what did Jesus do? Jesus discipled people, and then they're the ones who, who represented and caught his heart and had his heart. And when he left and when, when he went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, those were the, those were the guys who carried on his legacy. Mm. And discipleship is really the transfer of heart, right? It is, it is the way that, that the legacy of the kingdom is passed down from one person to another, to another, to legacy another. Legacy of the kingdom. Oh, great phrase. Over the years. Yeah. The real, and the real proof of that is to look at your life a uh, a week ago or a month ago or a year ago are you less anxious are you more generous like where is the real transformation in your life because we are people of habit we like our routines we, like Isaac was saying earlier we float we get stuck life. sure we get stuck and uh, um, so how do you how do you actually measure growth in the kingdom what, what does it mean to grow to be mature to get to the statue of Christ and you just have to look at your own life and say, okay, so compared to last year, um, if I had this situation last year, would I have reacted differently? Do I have more internal peace? And, and so this is all the transformation and the change that discipleship will bring out. And it's like so tangible and so practical um, that everybody can look at their life and, and think, okay, so am I more like Jesus in these areas or am I the same? as last year, as 10 years ago, because time goes by so fast and we have to be really intentional. And we need to pray that prayer, right, with David, that search me, O God, and see if there's any hurtful way in me, reveal to me, right? So have that posture per or individually before yes. the Lord. But yeah. then I would like to think that maybe we invite 
a trusted leader who's discipling yes. us or other yeah. kingdom friends to yeah. also yeah. in various yes. ways speak into our lives, right? Yeah, and, and, and in the end, it's always the Holy Spirit who's teaching us, yeah. right? So the Holy Spirit lives in us. He is the best teacher, mm-hmm. and he, but a lot of times we just have a hard time hearing him, right? Like our belief structures, the strongholds in our mind, the lies that we've believed and accepted as true, it's hard for us to get out of those things. Um, and I think that's that's what Sylvia is saying here. She's, you know, hey, how do you actually know if you've really if you've actually changed and really grown? I love what Isaac and Sylvia are saying here. All kingdom life flows from a heart level. It's from the inside out. And if we're going to see the true essence of Jesus' life, his anointing, his blessing, flowing in our lives. I would call it full spectrum Christ following. If you don't want to live on just half of the spectrum and go all the way with Jesus, let's look at some of these kingdom dynamics like being fathered in the faith, being mothered in the faith, submitting ourselves and going through a real life process of discipleship. We appreciate you, Isaac and Sylvia. Part two is next week. We're going to finish this conversation in next week's episode. We hope you come back. You're going to want to catch it, okay? 